0: Snuff production. What do they say? The the most important thing is um, carrying the message, at even using words if necessary. I think that's the point of it. I love that they said to Gandhi, "What's the message of your life?" And he says, "My life is my message." And I think that's that's really more what it is. It's um, just live it. You don't need to talk about it. You just just live it.
1: So I'm going to dig deep to give you a new window into the souls of the people we're curious to get to know and understand. There might be tears as well as laughter as we celebrate the real life flaws and vulnerabilities that make us human. Keith Urban is a global superstar. He's a singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist, but he's not keen to put a label on what he does. For him, he wants his music to do the talking. I was lucky enough to sit down with Keith ahead of the launch of his latest single, Night Falls. It's a joyful song about making it matter right now. And I'm excited and a little nervous about talking music, love, parenthood and how we get through this crazy thing called life. Well, Keith Urban, it is so exciting. Hi, Jess. Hi, to talk Hi. to you. Yeah,
0: likewise. Because
1: I mean, you are so cool. You ooze. Yeah, cool. You're the one
0: that looks like you've just come from the cocktail party. Oh, I thank mean, you've you. just stepped out of the club to do this quick podcast. Look at you.
1: Well, I'm meeting a rock star, so you're I thought I've got to wear awesome. leopard print and a cat <laughs> yes. suit, yeah. and you know, you know, bring my A game.
0: You always bring your A game, Jess. Oh,
1: thank you. Now, speaking of A game, your new song, Night Falls. Yeah. I love it. Thank
0: you. All I want to know
1: right now is are you living
0: it, feeling it, coming alive, I can't stop. Singing it, bringing it, leaving it all behind us. You and me going to be loving each other
1: when the night falls. I mean, it is cool, but it's joyful. That's what I love Thank when you. I turn it up loud.
0: Yeah, good. I've always leaned into those kind of buoyant, optimistic, type of songs. Um, I've certainly got plenty of other songs in my repertoire, but those are the ones that have been more of a central theme for me. You know, I was raised on the beach and I'm a very summer type guy and I like that kind of vibe, so we wanted to write a bit of a summer jam.
1: Because that's the thing, I could imagine spinning around on the sand to Mm. that song.
0: Mm. Yeah, nice. Living it. Nice. Yeah, living it, feeling it, come alive. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Because you worked with Greg Kirsten. Yeah. He co-produced Adele. Mm -hmm. What was that like working with him?
0: Oh, amazing. We worked together maybe six years ago on a track, but it didn't make the record. And I always wanted to get back in the studio with him because he's he's just he's a whole other level. That's why everybody everybody wants to work with him. You know, as a songwriter, as a player, a producer. Um, just a really great collaborative spirit. So we wrote this song together and another girl called Mozella, who's a great songwriter. So Greg and Mazella and I wrote Nightfalls.
1: So you say it's a whole nother level working with him.
0: Mm. Do you get intimidated working with people like that? Inspired, more than intimidated, just inspired and uh, educated. Everybody's got a different approach to things and Getting to play with somebody like him is great, you know, because he's a proper musician, classically trained, and just a great creative brain and diverse because, you know, we'll work with somebody like Beck or the Foo Fighters and then Adele and then Pink and then Greta Van Fleet and it's just, it's all over the place. It's crazy.
1: But you say he's a proper musician. You are. I mean, you're a multi-instrumentalist. How many instruments? What does that
0: mean? I I always say I'm a guitar player that Uh plays some other instruments as well, (laughs) but I play it like a guitar player, you know. Um, My dad was a drummer, so I grew up in a very musical family. My grandfather was a piano player and taught piano most of his life. All of my dad's brothers are musical, trumpet, guitar, keyboards, drums, crazy.
1: (laughs) Is the guitar your favourite though? Is that yeah. where you feel most comfortable?
0: Definitely, yeah. I mean, I started playing when I was six. It's, it's you know, it's, it's part of me. More than instruments, really part of me.
1: How hard is it to perform without your guitar? Do you need it there
0: with you? I've, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked on getting more comfortable without it because I don't, you know, when I'm doing vocals in the studio, I don't have it, so... But being on stage, yeah, yeah, it's something that I've worked on a little bit more over the years, playing songs without it, yeah.
1: Because John Mayer, I read he was uh, quoted in a Rolling Stone article and he said you're a rare performer, that you can actually make a guitar speak inside of your songs. Now that intrigued me. What does that actually mean?
0: That's so John, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) What does it mean though? I think because I grew up with guys like Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits, Lindsay Buckingham, Fleetwood Mac, guitarists that played to support the song, so either texturally As opposed to that typical kind of dominant guitar solo, you know, dominating the song. I I love guys that are very textural and atmospheric, and both of those guys are very much that. John is too. John John's an amazing player.
1: Well, I mean, you've played together in Mm. some
0: extraordinary performances. I haven't seen them
1: live, but I've seen them on YouTube, and they're wild.
0: Yeah, he's great. we got a good simpatico, the two of us, yes.
1: (laughs) On stage, when would you say you're happiest?
0: On stage, when am I the happiest? Yeah. I think when everything just becomes one, when it's not where you sort of a moment becomes, I've never surfed but I've always imagined that when they're in the tube and they're in the zone and they're in complete flow where all time dissipates and everything dissipates and it's just sort of now it's the moment. I think those moments happen live sporadically and they're um, indescribable.
1: I bet, almost yeah. spiritual in it a way. It is
0: because everything becomes one. There's no us and them with the audience. It's just we're in this room, in this moment, in this venue. Everything just becomes, we're all feeling and experiencing the same thing at the same time. Yeah.
1: And do you know, do you know instantly when you are in that zone?
0: Well, it's a catch-22 because the minute you do, you've come out of it. (laughs) (laughs) So is it
1: later then? Is it later afterwards when you kind of reflect on a performance and think, oh, that was it, that was that moment?
0: I I think even when you come out of it, you know, coming out of a, a moment, a solo or something is happening where it's just pure flow and then you sort of come out of it. It's like a little mini dream, like a little REM moment, you know? and you come out of it and you're like, gosh, that was amazing. And you try and repeat that moment the next night. And of course it doesn't work because it was true last night and tonight it's a repeat, so it's not true. So you try and look for the next one of truth.
1: Well, it's almost like sometimes if you try too hard for something to happen. Yeah. It never happens. We were just
0: talking earlier about uh, that thing about when a bird lands on a branch, which is when you think about it, it's a very complicated maneuver. You look at a big tree how infinite amount of branches, and a bird's got to fly into that and land, and it does it effortlessly. But because we we're talking about, because it's not thinking about it. If it were to think about it, it'd be. I'm sure the bird would be like, "Bloody hell, this is hard. How do I do this?" <laughs> right? But because it doesn't think, it's just in its flow. And I think that's what we're trying to do on stage every night: is be in the flow. And
1: do you think because you've been doing it so long, that's how you get in the flow? That because you've had decades of performing, of working hard, mm. it just happens like that. It
0: helps because I think there's that, you know, the 10,000 hours that Malcolm Glavell talks about, racking those up so that you sort of, I don't know, I don't know about the word master your instrument. I'm never sure what that means. That's a weird thing to say. But there's a, such a comfort level with the instrument and with the environment that you can now have fun with it, yeah, and be, um, and flow, flow in it, yeah.
1: Something I think in Australia that we've, made a mistake doing is saying you're a country music superstar because there's so much more to what you do. Your music goes through all sorts of genres,
0: doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I sort of started with a dual life, I think, musically speaking. I grew up in a house where my dad loved country music, so that was the most dominant music that I was exposed to. And they had these country music clubs all through Australia, when I was growing up, amateur country music clubs where you could go and join the club and they'd get together once every two weeks, rent out the local hall, put a band together and you could come along and you could get up and sing or you could just bring a covered dish and you could just enjoy the music, right? And we became members of this club and I think I was nine when my parents joined this country music club and so you would meet other kids, Whose parents have joined this club, and then you go and compete with other clubs yearly, somewhere in Australia, and you all sort of merge into this town, and every all the clubs compete with one another. So I had that as my childhood. And all Applejack was love everyone
1: he ever knew.
0: And Applejack picked apples, but he picked the guitar too. Oh, I play a song for me. But then at the age of sort of 14-15, I'm discovering all different kinds of music, top 40, and my brother loved ELO and Supertramp, Fleetwood Mac and sort of just all this other stuff and then everything that's on the radio at the time. So playing in cover bands in pubs was the other side of it. So half of me is sort of in this country thing and the other half is in this Aussie pub rock and roll top 40 environment and those two worlds is really the foundation of what I do.
1: How would you describe yourself as a performer now in terms of how you would like
0: to be introduced? I don't know how to do that. Yeah, you know, just just give me a chance to play. Yeah, just give me a chance to play. Um, it's hard to put a label on that. It's a mix of things. And I think the minute you use a label, it's human nature to think of what my version of that label is, you know, and then it's probably not that. So, Well, we don't fit in a neat box, do we? None of us do. No, hopefully not. I think if we're <laughs> no, being our authentic selves, It'd no. be boring. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think just being true to yourself is, is all that matters. Yeah. Because with your new song,
1: Nightfalls, mm. I'd read that often when you write a song, it reflects where you're at in your life. It's like a snapshot of where you are.
0: Right, yeah. So where yeah. are you now? How would you describe where you're at now? Well, Nightfalls is a good example of that. We wrote this in June of 2021 Uh, And the opening line is, we've been through some hard times, I ain't going to lie, but I don't want to think about that, not with you right here tonight, because who knows if tomorrow is even going to come. Stay with me and dance. Stay with me and dance until we see the rising sun. We got lights, we got beer, we got everybody here. Shake my hand, spin me around. All I want to know right now is are you living it, feeling it, yeah. So I think it's not only coming out of this period that we've all been in for the last couple of years, for me, the best songs have always pulled me through into the light, into tomorrow, out of my situation, uh, by either, um, speaking to me in a way that I can not feel alone with where I am. You know, you hear a song, you go, oh my God, that person knows what I'm going through. That's what, that's, that's what I'm going through right now is that, Um, or a song that comes along and just sort of lifts you up out of it and pulls you forward. You know, I love those kind of songs and Night Falls is definitely that.
1: And I think that word that you say there, alone, Mm. none of us want to feel alone. And now more than ever I think we crave that connection because the pandemic has meant for many of us we aren't with our loved ones. Mm. We're not connected in ways that were part of who we are and how we live in the world and exist.
0: Yeah. I mean, I... We're all different with our human interactions. You get huggers and awkward people and like all the rest of it. And But I'm very tactile and, and I've missed that human, physical interaction with people and, gosh, we don't even know how to greet people now.
1: I know. I, I do the awkward. go do, do I go, <laughs> do? <laughs> I? And then I clunk someone's <laughs> right, nose. Do right. I give them a kiss? And then I've got a mask on and that yeah, throws yeah, out yeah. all my spatial awareness. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I shout as well because I find when I have a mask on, I'm shouting <laughs> right, at people and then the mask comes off and I'm thinking, am I still being really loud? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> to regulate all of that. Yeah, we've
0: got some uh, greetings. <laughs> Etiquette to rework right now. I, I think. think
1: we do. Yeah. Because what was it like for you, the pandemic? Because as a performer, I think it's been particularly tough that people you haven't been able to get out mm. on stage and entertain. Mm. And also audiences, we miss that. And yeah. I think there's something really special about being in an audience watching a live performance. Yeah. How have you coped not doing that?
0: I, it's the shared experience that I think is um just in the human DNA to have a shared experience because it, it, it makes it rich and, and fuller. It's like seeing a great sunset on your own versus seeing it with somebody. Um, beautiful sunset, but it's so much more, you know, enjoyable and richer experience. So I think I've missed that. I've missed it for the audience. I've missed it for the crew, you know, all the road crew that have been doing it so hard as well, everywhere and the vendors, everybody that's been waiting eagerly to get back.
1: Has there ever been a time during this pandemic where you've thought, will I ever get back on stage again? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always felt like this is just a time. I don't know how long it's going to be, but at some point we'll be through this. We've always been through it and we'll be back on stage and audiences will be moshing again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because I bet you cannot wait to tour Nightfalls and all the other new songs that will be coming with it.
0: Yeah, it was crushing to have uh, One Too Many out with Pink. And not be able to tour and play that song every night because you know I'm also one of those people that go to see a concert by an artist that they've got a song out. I just can't wait for them to play that song. I want to sing that song really loud and badly in the audience <laughs> with that person, right? That's I get it, you know. And we've missed that as well
1: because that song with Pink I adore too. Thank I you. Ju- oh, I mean I, I love Pink and yeah. that yeah. to to record that as well. Via distance must have been a challenge.
0: Yeah. I mean, not an unusual thing. You know, you often have to record separately, but that was to not have the choice to do it in the same studio was frustrating. Mm. Yeah, she's amazing. Oh, she is. Mm. She, she's one cool chick.
1: Very. And speaking about cool chicks, your beautiful wife, Nicole, there's something about her that I think is magic. Yeah, when it's I've a good met word her, when I've been lucky enough to chat with her and things, I find myself almost carried away by just, oh my goodness, you're almost this ethereal creature.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: She has a way about it, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, ethereal is a good word. Angelic, sort of other otherworldly. Yeah, this is very mystical.
1: Oh, she's divine. And, and then
0: completely down to earth yes, at the same time. And it's sunny. a great balance. Very funny. Oh my God, I love this song. Thank goodness. <laughs>
1: so funny yeah, and self-deprecating and the laugh and she's just. And if she
0: wants to prank you, you're going to get pranked because uh-huh. she's a great actress. Of course.
1: <laughs> Has she done a recent prank with you then?
0: No, but if she ever does that, <laughs> I'll fall for it every time. Oh, really? You can never tell. She's very good.
1: <laughs> I know you've told this story many times before, but you first met at La, LA. Yeah. And I know for Nick she knew straight away that you were the man for
0: her. She says, well, that's what she says. Oh, come on. But she, but she knew.
1: <laughs> she knew. She had that sparkle in her eye. Right. But it wasn't the same for you.
0: Oh, no, it wasn't this, not the same for me. That was somebody who seemed way out of my league at that time in my life, truly. That, you know, that's a fair statement. And I think anybody who knew me at the time would, would agree. So, yeah.
1: But why do you say that?
0: I was just in a really not a great place in my life at that time struggling a lot with things and um, not in a million years thought somebody like that would see anything in me. And I don't mean that in some aw shucks humble me way. I mean really, like really, truly. So the fact that that became what it was meant to be is astounding.
1: And it's a fairy tale and I think for many people they look at you guys as a couple and they think, oh, we want a little bit of what they're having or a bit of that magic, so to speak.
0: Right. I mean, but we're just a couple, you know, mm-hmm. that work things out and go through things together, life and support each other the best way we can and try and raise our family. And underneath it all, it's as about as normal as you can get, I reckon.
1: And that's the key though, isn't it? And as you say as well, you have to work at it. Any part of your life takes work yeah, and relationships take work.
0: Yeah, and hopefully it's something that you love to do. I mean I love making music, I love making records, I love touring. That's something that I not only have to work at but I get to work at it and it's extremely rewarding because I'm perpetually curious and hungry and I want to know will this piece of music go with this? What if I bring in a bit of this? What if I do that? When we play live... Here's a good example, right? So here's a good story. So (laughs) we were playing live one time and we were on tour and I thought, gosh, it'd be great if we did a song with no lights, just pitch black in an arena, right? Because I had never seen it. This is 10 years ago. Never seen this. That would be an unusual feeling to only hear the artists on stage and not be able to see them. So I didn't rehearse this. That's where I went wrong. I just had the idea going to the gig one night and I said to my crew, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a song where I start off on piano, beautiful song called Tonight I Want to Cry. I started on piano and I'm going to have all these candles on the top of the piano and I'll I'll make some, I'll talk about something and I'll dramatically blow out each candle and it'll get dark and dark and this is great. And then we'll be pitch black. You know, so there you go, oh, this sounds great. This will be fantastic. What could go wrong? So we have about <laughs> six candles on the piano. I get up to the piano and I'm saying, you know, I'm just winging it, right? So I'm like, you go to a concert and there's this massive production up there and it's, and I dramatically blow out one candle <laughs> and there's video walls and there's all this fancy lighting. But at some point you start to wonder if it's getting in the way of the music. And I wondered what it would be like when I'm like down to the last candle, what it would be like for us to experience just the music. <laughs> And it's pitch black, and I put the mic in the stand and I start the song. Clown, 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 clown. <laughs> Could not see the piano for the life of me. <laughs> 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 Loudly hit every wrong note through the PA system on this piano. And then the spotlight frantically comes up, and I recover and off we go. It's a complete calamity. But my point is, I'm always willing to try things. But I think that is the
1: key, though. <laughs> I love that because mm. we have oh, to. I right, think
0: you weren't there. <laughs> Well, I would have loved to have seen it. I think (laughs) it's quite the moment. (laughs) But we
1: don't learn if we don't try things. If we don't, yeah, risk things. Yeah, why not? Give Give it it a a crack. Give it a crack. Give it a crack. Yeah. Because another thing that struck me about you is when that it's almost people who've had a go at you or criticised you, that's fuelled you on, hasn't it? It's made I think you, that's for
0: most of us.
1: Really? Because I'm not. I, if someone criticises me, I get I I Not so much criticizing you but
0: maybe doesn't have the belief in you mm. and you're like, oh, really? Okay, I'll show you. You know, whether it's in your family or whether it's your friends or friends, um, but you know, someone that you know who has been a bit of a shine blocker In your life. And you kind of use that fuel a little bit, I think, and I certainly have. Yeah, I've definitely used a lot of fuel from non-believers. Shine blocker. I like that term. I've never heard that. I love it. We can be our own shine blockers too, so you've got to be careful of that.
1: So how can we not be our own shine blockers then?
0: Recognise when you're being it, first and foremost. You know, golly gee, the amount of times I'm making things so hard for myself. I'm like, what am I doing this? That I should be like supporting myself here. Like I should be the first person to believe in what I'm doing. So, yeah, recognising it is key.
1: And is it as simple as that? And and do you still do that now? Think. Yeah, I okay. think that's
0: where the whole mindfulness comes into mm. play in life. I think it's all that. You know, the ego gets involved. And I always thought the ego was just about grandiosity, but the ego is complete insecurity and pummeling me as well. That's ego as well. Ego is the fireman that rushes in to put out my fire and it turns out was also the arsonist that lit the damn thing.
1: That is so
0: good. It's a beast.
1: How did you get so wise? How how do you just know these
0: things? They're just things that I I start to realise in my own life and I try and be aware of this little thing.
1: One that I love as well is that you're only as sick as your biggest secret. Right. I think that's a really good one
0: too. Very much, yeah, it's true.
1: Mm. What I marvel about you is the way that you are open about things that have been your secrets in the past, Mm. that you've been open about your battles with addiction Mm -hmm. because it's something that many of us battle in our lives. Sure,
0: yeah.
1: And was that hard for you to do to be so open?
0: It was a process. Yeah, it was a process to work my way through that and start again with a new way of being in the world, you know? Yeah.
1: And I hope you know how much that helps people. Are you aware of the power of you sharing that?
0: I'm aware how much it's very much helped me from the people who've been gracious enough to do the same. me ahead of time you know people that have gone that same road and I've been able to look at other people's way of starting again and being in this world different with a sort of a different a different way of seeing the world and a different roadmap one that I wasn't given because my parents didn't know to give it to me they gave me the best life and love they could and then there was things for me to learn and grow which you know I think that's just normal the normal human evolution, hopefully, you know, to not carry on the same ways of being if they're dysfunctional and need to be addressed so that the cycle doesn't continue.
1: And and that's hard, though. I think it's really hard to have that level of awareness to actually say I'm drawing a line in the sand now mm. and I'm not going to blame everyone else or blame my family or blame mm. other sorts of factors mm. for the choices that I'm making that That's are impacting right. on my life.
0: Oh, at some point it's up to me now. Mm. I can sit there and blame everybody. In the, you know, I mean there's what it happens to us and then there's what we do with it. At some point then it becomes my responsibility. You know, whatever I've been blessed or cursed with, you know, genetically and all the rest of it, it's now up to me to do something about that. Am I going to just carry it on and keep like pig pen just like black clouding everyone I meet and drag them into my briar patch or am I going to get rid of this cloud? Mm. And you've got rid of that cloud. I've just moved in a different direction from it, yeah. Mm. Mm. Because
1: you strike me as quite a spiritual person and I love the serenity prayer Mm. because I think it's something that, You don't even have to believe in God for it to have some meaning or value. Mm. I love that sense of grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm.
0: It's all encompassing, isn't it?
1: But it's so powerful and I think we can all use that in different areas of our life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do I need to accept this thing? If I do, help me with that. Can I change this thing? If I do, maybe I need help with that. And if I'm confused of which one it is, give me some help in figuring out which one it is. It's a good one, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. It's pretty encompassing. I've always been, you know, my thing about recovery is that I've been somewhat quiet about it. It's obviously a very personal thing for me. And I love my audience to come to the show and have the best time they've ever had. I don't want them thinking about, what my life is like and, you know, what I do to have a certain kind of life because their lives are completely different to mine and they just, I just want them to have a good time. I don't care what it is. If they're going to roll up the biggest spliff on the planet and have the night of their lives, get it. I'll (laughs) light the damn thing for you. It's my thing. It's like I just want you to have a great time. Just have a great time and let yourself go and, you know. Have a, have a really great night, whatever mm. that is.
1: And I think too, though, you say it's a very
0: personal thing for you, but again, don't underestimate the power of
1: sharing your story.
0: No, but I think, what do they say? The, the most important thing is um, carrying the message, uh, even using words if necessary. I think that's the point of it. I love that they said to Gandhi, what's the message of your life? And he says, my life is my message. And I think that's really more what it is. It's... Um, just live it. You don't need to talk about it. You just, just live it.
1: Well, like nightfalls. Mm. Living
0: it. That's right. Living it and feeling <laughs> it. Coming alive. <laughs> That's right. Who doesn't want to do that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And also, too, as you say, you want the audience to come along and be in whatever mindset they're at because we're all dealing with something. Everyone's got something that we need to work through, get rid of, whatever it is. Yeah,
0: it doesn't take a pandemic. No. There's always crap that we're dealing with. Always things. Yeah, always.
1: You know, for me, for example, I had terrible postnatal depression after the birth of both of my girls Mm -hmm. and I still deal with depression and anxiety. But I'm open with my daughters about it because I want them to know there's no shame in asking for help, there's no shame in I take medication Mm. and I've always wanted to talk to them about that, those sorts of struggles that I've had. Have you done that with your girls or have you thought about ways that you want to talk to them about how to... Not lead a good life, but to say, hey, I'm not perfect either and I grapple with things too.
0: I think they can see that pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) We're an open book at home, goodness me. I'm learning so much from Nick. Uh, She's an amazing mum and, you know, I didn't grow up with girls, uh, just me and my brother and mum and dad, and so I didn't have sisters. I didn't really know much about girls until I had Till I met Nick, then I started learning a lot, and then um, <laughs> and then we have two daughters, so I'm surrounded by it now, and it's. Uh,
1: and haven't you got a female a cat garden. and a female dog as well?
0: No, I got a male dog. Oh, okay. Oh, to, well, that's to, good. To, that's to something. The <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a band, so you know, we're all good, balanced out. <laughs> they don't live with us, but you know,
1: <laughs> There's some I don't th-
0: think they do. <laughs> Haven't seen them in the house.
1: <laughs> so there's some of that male energy around, though, <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's pretty balanced. It's pretty good.
1: So as a dad, how would you describe yourself?
0: I reckon kids should describe you as a parent, right, because oh, I, I don't know. A work in progress.
1: I like that, mm. regardless of if you're a parent or not. Yeah. But if I think about how my girls would probably describe me, they'd say I'm embarrassing Right. sometimes funny, <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: Yeah. and and they love me. That would sort of be how they would
0: describe Actually me. Hopefully not in that order.
1: Oh, no, often embarrassing <laughs> is top of the list.
0: That's that age, isn't it? You
1: well, know. I think so. Would you embarrass your kids or not? Would I'm they, quite sure, of course, yeah. Have they said to you yet, oh, you're so embarrassing? Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, oh. I mean, not those words, but, yeah, I get the look. I get it. It's all right. Oh. No worries.
1: Well, I feel a little bit better then.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, you're... it's a super normal house. <laughs>
1: Someone Definitely. who's looking super cool in front of me gets told that they're embarrassing. That's good.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, because it's just you're just dad, you know.
1: And as a dad, though, because I know with me I like to chat a lot, I like to be silly with my girls, I call myself the moober because I basically am the uber for them. Mm,
0: yeah, I spend... I'm the doober, yeah, so I get it. You're I'm the dooba? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're either moobering or doobering <laughs> at any given time. Yeah, right?
1: You'd be a great doober, Thank I reckon. Thank you.
0: You'd probably a great moober. If you've just joined us, I bet you're confused and yet riveted.
1: Because what I find, though, is when I'm moobering, right. that is when I will often have the best conversations because yeah. I'm not looking at them directly.
0: Yeah, there's something about a car, isn't there? I love having conversations in cars. And listening to music in cars, cars have played a big role in my life. My dad always loved taking us for drives when we were kids on a Sunday afternoon. But where are we going? He goes, well, just driving. He just loved driving, so we just go for a drive.
1: <laughs> but that was such a sort of parent thing to do yeah. in the 70s, I reckon. Yeah. Let's go for a Sunday drive. Sunday like, drive. There was no particular destination, but you were just going for a drive.
0: yeah. I love cars and I've really taken that on from my dad. It's a great place to listen to music and, um, and, like I say, conversations, especially the ones when you're pulling into the drive and you pull into the garage and you haven't finished the conversation yet <laughs> and you sit in the car for hours and hours and hours. Who hasn't done that?
1: Now you talk quite a bit about your dad <laughs> and I was reading in a Rolling Stone article that you and your brother were talking about memories of your dad. And they were quite different sorts of recollections. Sure, yeah. That your mum had, that, you know, your dad was tough. He was a pretty tough
0: bloke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to contextualise all of that, I think, because it's always relative to so many other things. And what's a normal upbringing? Who has a clue? I don't know, you know. Well, uh, the only
1: normal people are the ones you don't know very well. Probably. That's yeah. what I reckon. I think
0: it's definitely true for me. I don't know anybody normal. <laughs> Um, the end result is probably what really speaks the loudest about the way you were raised, you know, because I think even being able to change things, get it together and whatever, whatever those abilities are, they all came from the upbringing as well.
1: So meaning where you're at now in your life, Mm. you've done all of that work to get to that point, Mm. but you wouldn't have done it without that upbringing either.
0: It has to play into it. I mean, because I'm still the same person. The DNA wiring in me is unchanged. So that's a pretty good reflection, I think, of my mum and dad's raising. Yeah.
1: Because your dad was a massive, as you say, country music fan. Yeah.
0: He really got you into it, didn't he? Yeah, and then mum um, mum was moobering all the time, driving me to talent quests and things that I wanted to do, I was I made it to the semi-finals of a talent quest that that was going to be taking place at Brookside Shopping Centre. Uh, <laughs> I think I was nine, and Mum couldn't drive me, so Dad was tasked with driving me there. And Dad was very punctual, and I came home from school, and we had to leave at four pm. The School got out at three. I came home, got out of my school uniform, put on my shorts, got some Milo, put the TV on. <laughs> And my dad would stick his head in and go, you know, we're leaving at 4 o'clock. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all right. And at like 3 40, he'd come in, he goes, we're leaving in 20 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be ready. And then about 10 to 4, he's like, we're leaving in 10 minutes and, you know, I'll leave without you if you're not in the car. So I'd like, jump in the shower. And I'm like, he's not going to leave. It. I mean, he's only driving for me. In the shower, I hear the car start up and pull out and off he went. <laughs> and I looked out the window of the bathroom and saw my dad driving off. And I was just mortified and he, he went away somewhere long enough for me to completely miss this thing and drove home. And he goes, please be on time next time. And someone said, um, does it, did it make you punctual? And I said, for my dad, yes, but still late for everybody else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's good. That He taught you that lesson, you could do it for him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm
0: capable of it, yeah. Yeah, man of his word. I
1: asked you earlier <laughs> about when you're happiest on stage, but what about in life? When are you most happy?
0: Being with the family, being able to make music, being able to watch our kids grow up. It's a combination of things. So it, it feels more steady because I try and keep a balance for that, if that makes sense. So that feeling is sort of... Um, gratitude is the underpinning of most of it. When I keep that genuine gratitude, everything sits really nicely. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard because, you know, but no whining on the yacht.
1: (laughs) I think that is such a great phrase of yours. (laughs) But it's a very good one too because it's like, hello.
0: I know. You need a good slap in the face sometimes. And he's like, are you kidding? Shut the hell up. Look at you, you know. And we all have it at different times in our life. We just want to whine about something.
1: And speaking of whining, (laughs) often as a kid I remember I used to sort of be like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Would you say you're there with your life? Are you there yet?
0: Well, in the sense of being in it and being in the flow of it, yes, very much in the flow of it, yeah. There isn't a destination, definitely not. There's just being in the day, being in the moment, and because that's it, you know. I mean, there's even a line in Night Falls that says, who knows if tomorrow is even going to come. I mean, you, and you don't. You don't know. I think Willie Nelson said, live every day like it's your last because one day you'll be right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lovely blunt lyrics. That's good, that's though. Great, yeah.
0: Yeah. But, but he's spot on. Yeah, he's spot on. Because
1: we've got to make it count. We've got to make it matter now.
0: Yeah, and it shouldn't take going to a funeral or a wedding to go, I really need to rethink, you know what I mean? And we all do it. We go to a funeral I'm like, I need to call my friends more often. You know, we all do it and it lasts about a week and then we're back to our own nonsense again and not calling people and taking things for granted. I think it's human nature. But I try and pull myself back to the centre again um, because, yeah, it goes wobbly, goes off the rails, you know, get negative, get depressed, all these various things, but I, I try and... Reach out for help when I need it. That's a big one. Yeah.
1: And who will you reach out to?
0: Oh, I have all sorts of people. I mean, obviously Nick is number one. But, yeah, I have great people around me, a good tribe, you know, because you need different different experiences, different points of view, different wisdoms, different, yeah, different experiences to uh, help you with what you're going through, someone who's been through it. There's nothing like it. Who gets you? Who gets what you're going through. I think that's really important. Who really understands what you're going through. Yeah. So it's not some sort of blanketed self help nonsense. It's like literally targeted, specific to this thing that you're going through. There's nothing like someone who's been through it. And that experience, strength, and hope helps. Mm.
1: Mm. I read somewhere that you like to have a good cry once a week. Or is it once a month?
0: Oh, once a month. It's good. You know, you always feel better after a cry. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, I'd rather not have to do it, you know, but yeah. I mean, I think it's just it's rain. It's the rain, right? It cleans mm. off it cleans out the streets and makes it all fresh and the sky looks better and everything just, just feel better. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the sky's bluer.
0: It is. See, everything's just a bit better. You just feel like, okay, a little more through whatever I was struggling through just needed a good cry. Mm. Yeah. But guys aren't taught to, you know, it's a hard thing. I mean, certainly the way I wasn't, you know, I think I probably got a little bit more support for that because my dad was a drummer, artistic, not sort of that thing, suck it up nonsense. But I think that's a big problem for guys, especially this stereotyped BS about suck it up. It's like suck it up. No, that's the problem. I've been sucking shit up for my whole life and I can't suck anything more up. I'm done, you know. Um, you got to let it out. you just got to let it out. Yeah, it's really important. It's extremely healthy. It's mm. essential. It's essential. Absolutely. It's, it's, why, it's why it's a great invention. It's a great invention. We've got a release mechanism and we don't use it. It's mm. crazy. Mm.
1: And just finally, can you see yourself still rocking it out on stage when you're 80?
0: Oh, I just I just think about tomorrow. Or not even then, just now. I mean, you know, like, I don't know. I really don't think too much off into the future. And boy, if 2020 and 21 are shown us one thing, there's not much planning we can do. I mean, twenty and twenty one has just been one big whiteboard <laughs> with a dry race marker. <laughs> No permanent text is required. Yes. It's ridiculous. Right? Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah. If I, you know, it's must it's been hell for control freaks, I'm sure.
1: Mm. Well, <laughs> I hope you are, because I can't wait to see you perform live. Thank you. My husband's been lucky enough to see you perform, and he was just Blown
0: away. Oh no! Nice. He said
1: he's never seen a performance like it. It was oh, in the states. He's got to get out more, Jess. Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's a good egg, Peter.
1: He is. You know, so, it's
0: the highest compliment when you think about it, isn't it? A good egg. It just means you just would just born good. It's <laughs> and a really he great is. compliment.
1: He is. I feel very lucky actually that I've found my other yeah. half too. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. We're a good team. He's and we, a keeper. He is a keeper. Yeah. We've both found our
0: keepers. Don't mess it up, Pete. <laughs>
1: He won't (laughs) Keith, thank you so much Thank you Jess It's been a joy
0: Yeah, I knew it would be Thank you
1: Oh my goodness Isn't Keith wise With a capital W I learned so much Chatting with him Check out his new song Nightfalls And now what about his phrase Shine blocker I haven't heard that before But I'm going to be using that And don't let anyone Including yourself block that glittery shine that I know you have. And for more beautiful, big conversations like this, search the Jess Big Talk Show podcast. And you know what? While you're there, I would love you to follow and to add me to your favourites. I mean, surely I'm a favourite already, but if I'm not, make me a favourite because I never, ever want you to miss an episode of my podcast. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show was presented by me, Jess Rowe. Executive producer, Nick McClure. Audio producer, Nikki Sitch. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter. Listener.